Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton, Greg White here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing? I'm doing very well, Scott. You know, I think about this frequently when I do this. You know that you have to do it this way. Okay. Because in certain countries, doing it the other way means something not friendly. So, <laughs> You know, th th there's a scene in the Winston Churchill, the latest Winston Churchill movie. I can't remember the name of it. That's really funny. It speaks right to your point. But uh, folks, you have to check that out on your own. Today, we're talking, uh, Greg, we're talking reboots. Yeah. In global industry, as in, is enterprise software ripe for a reboot? Greg, I think that's a pretty fair question to ask, right? I think it's a great question to ask. I'd love to answer it, but I, I want our panelists to answer it first, <laughs> right? I, I think we all, in the, at least in the back of our mind, know what the answer is, but I, I'd I, I can't wait for our audience to hear what our, our panelists have to say from their perspective about the right answer. That's right. And as I was sharing on social uh, last night, I think it was a lot. Been lots of reboots. If you look at the Hollywood, it's been a, like a proven path. Everything from the '80s except Howard the Duck. No one has, uh, no one has embraced that for a reboot, Greg. And there's good reason for that as well, Scott. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right, but folks, we're going to be talking about uh, enterprise software, and is that ripe for reboot uh, with a home run one-two punch uh, in terms of a panel here. So stay tuned for in just a second as we bring those on. Um, I want to say hello to a few folks. Of course, Catherine Heinz, uh, Hints, and uh, Amanda and Chantel, all, all the folks behind the scenes helping to make production happen. Hello to you. Happy Wednesday. Uh, Victor's tuned in from Atlanta uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you there, Victor. Christy from Duquette, Minnesota via LinkedIn. Mm. Greg, ever been to Duquette? I'm embarrassed to say I don't know. Uh, I've been to a lot of towns in Minnesota, but I cannot remember. Okay. A long time ago. Maybe well, maybe, maybe while uh, snowmobiling, which anyone from Minnesota knows what that really means, um, I might have been <laughs> in Duquette. Well, Christy, let us know what the temperature is like in Duquette this time of year. Hey, Ken, great to see you. Uh, uh, from Cape Town. Uh, Ken, if you remember, Greg, uh, we all got together with Jenny Froome at Sapix and had a really fun supply chain trivia contest. Ken is yep. quite um, quite a guru. So, Ken, great to see you here today. Um, Wally says aloha from Southern California via LinkedIn. Aloha. I bet we, I bet we can predict the weather there. Oh, I right? bet. I bet it's gorgeous. Uh, let's see here. Perkitty uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you here. Let us know where you're tuned in from as well. Um, okay. So, Greg. Again, we've got quite the one-two punch today. We've had a, a, yep. a lot of fun uh, pre-show talking golf and many other things with Eric and um, Mark. I want to welcome them in officially. Eric Bush, CEO of Demand Driven Technologies, and Mark Good, president of Next World. Hey, hey, Eric, how are you doing? Scott, how are you doing? Doing great. great. To see you. Great to see. You. Great to have you back. I love our repeat guests. And Mark, how are you doing, sir? We're doing fantastic in Denver today. 
Wonderful. What's the weather like out there in Denver? Yeah, well, it's cooling down. It's it's all across the Midwest. We're cooling down, but I've heard it's moving your way. So okay. good luck with that. <laughs> okay, thank, thank you. you. Very we need much. it today. It <laughs> it had been a little bit cooler, right, Eric? But uh, we we're getting a little burst of Here you go. late summer today. Well, and like Christy uh, asking, you shall receive. Christy says sixty two degrees up in Duquette, Minnesota. That sounds uh, gorgeous, and it's south of Duluth, about fifty miles south. Oh, of okay. Probably um, have been there. <laughs> right. We're, we're getting our geography lessons in here today. Yeah. Uh, but folks, before we get into uh, enterprise software and is it right for a reboot, Eric and Mark, uh, the heavy hitting question we want to pose to you as we have a, a fun warm up is it is one of our favorites birthdays today. It's Bill Murray's birthday, right? The iconic actor. So the question, quick question for the panel here today, and we'll start with you, Eric. What is your favorite all time Bill Murray movie? I'd really got a kick out of stripes i mean there's a lot of them oh my gosh uh you know <laughs> bridget sergeant that's got brilliant closer, you know? <laughs> and uh but i also would want to you know he did a cameo role in zombie land that was epic as well you know just a very short little piece but uh i really got a kick out of stripes it was one of my favorites uh, i agree fact, jack <laughs> <laughs> all right so mark that's that's gonna be tough uh tough to top there what's your favorite bill murray movie uh, I'm probably aging myself here, but it's Caddyshack. A cl- all-time classic, of course. Yeah. He, he played the uh, the golf course maintenance uh, professional, right? It was the battle with the golfers. The yeah, golfers. <laughs> gophers and golfers, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Greg, how about you? Well, since Caddyshack's been taken, I'm going to say St. Vincent, which is kind of a sleeper uh, movie um, okay. where he plays a really rowdy dude who is a babysitter to Melissa McCarthy's son. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, a great story anyway, but man, there are so many Scott, yes. what's yours? Come on. Oh, it's, it's the cliche answer, but it's a real answer. Groundhog day. I've watched that movie so many times. It's so funny. Uh, I'm not, I'm not crazy about the love story part of it. Right. But that where he's trying to kind of just shoot through the days and find different ways of, of, you know, ending, because he, he keeps waking up, and then when the, he lets the groundhog drive the, the truck. I mean, there's so many funny funny scenes in that movie, so certainly an all-time classic Groundhog Day. I love, um, the, I love the circularity of Caddyshack into Groundhog Day. Right? Yes. So. That, <laughs> we're, okay, we're, we're, Bill, we're, Bill Murray and, and underground varmints. Yeah. <laughs> the key to comedy. Oh, man. All right. So we're going to shift gears, make a hard right turn here today because we're talking all things supply chain uh, with our dear friends, Eric and Mark. And uh, Eric, I want to start with you Um, uh, to to share a question, prompt you with a question just to get the conversation going. In your view, what is wrong with ERP and other enterprise applications that are sold today for supply chain management and, you know, some other business purposes? Um, Well, you know, to really understand I think that to give a proper response, we've got to kind of wind the clock back about 20, 25 years when some of these movies were coming out um, <laughs> and think about what were the problems people were trying to solve at the time. If you go back to the early to mid 90s, I was working in IBM consulting at the time. And one of the things that was really starting to take root was the whole ERP movement. Up till then, a lot of big companies were running on their own homegrown systems. ERP as a category really hadn't taken the the hill, if you will, um, Mm, at that time. And from an IT perspective, there were some real fundamental issues happening where customers or companies had so much legacy software that they were maintaining that they didn't have any bandwidth to innovate and do new things, right? 
And if you think about it, that's when the internet started exploding and dot-com and you know, e-business uh, paradigm started coming to uh, the front. And so they're stuck with legacy software maintenance. They're stuck with islands of automation. And many of them were deathly afraid of what was going to happen with Y2K, you know, mm-hmm. which was just a few years away. And so I think ERP came in and they sold. It's all in one database. We're going to maintain it for you. So it's going to be cheaper. This is going to free up working capital for you to shift into innovating more. And um, it's Y2K compliance. So this is a very, very compelling argument at the time. The business guys in the room heard, oh, my God, this is all new software. It's mm. best of breed. It's going to be so much better for us. And and so there was a you know land rush going after that. Now, the reality is that in the supply chain segment of that portfolio, the ERP landscape, the logic that they were bringing to the market was the same stuff that had been around for 20 years at that time, right? Mm. And it never really got evolved from that point. So we're seeing this now when you look at statistics from the Federal uh, Reserve Bank that shows that U.S. manufacturers' inventory turnover rates are today what they were 25 years ago, in spite of the billions of dollars that were spent on ERP during that horizon. So I think the business guys heard, we're going to re-engineer, we're going to get to a better place. Then the needle didn't move, right? Mm. And so they're still suffering the same impediments today that they were all that time ago. So now I think what you're seeing in the market is clients are starting to recognize that a big monolithic platform may not answer all your questions. Mm. And um, especially in critical areas. And if you think about salesforce.com, they took the customer relationship management portion of ERP and did it way better. You know, and I think there's a link of all of this into the what Mark and Nextworld are doing that is really, really important to understand. So I think that the issue is that we're two and a half decades downstream now. The code is the code is the code. If anything, those ERP companies are struggling to get into the cloud and to provide more flexibility. And they've got the issue of legacy maintenance now themselves, right? Mm. Trying to pivot to current market conditions. I think is a, a real problem for them. So, Eric, that is quite a masterful job at level setting. Uh, you, you you covered a lot of ground there. And by the way, kids these days will have have no clue about how that Y two K thing had everybody shaking their boots, about right? That, right. I mean, <laughs> that was the last time we thought the world was going to end. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, Mark, I, I'm going to get you, Mark, and Greg to comment there. Uh, Mark, what comes to mind? You know, what as Eric was level setting. Uh, before we get into some main priorities that clients are highlighting now, we'll get to that in just a second. But Mark, any thoughts that that prompted for you? Well, I think the, um, you know, I, th- I think what what Eric was was uh, was venturing into was, um, you know, when you look at the, at the current state of, of the IT landscape today, um, you know, I was just reading an article yesterday from Gardner that you know they're always off by a couple of years, but by 2026, over 60 percent of the product centric companies will have implemented some type of composable architecture with an embedded analytics layer. And, you know, I think I think it's interesting to look at that market share trend that, you know, it, it you know, during the 80s and the 90s, you know, a lot of the ERP landscapes really took a land grab for everything. We can do everything. And now when you when you when you think about composable architecture uh, and with cloud computing, now you have the ability to say, I'm going to take best of breed. And I'm going to build a best of suite. 
So, you know, I think I think along with that cloud computing, you know, one of the things that's evolved that's a tremendous asset. I mean, we think about it every day is, you know, with cloud computing, you get an enhanced security layer. And, you know, if you're managing your own your own on-premise systems, you have to manage your own security and you can't you just it's hard to keep up with it. But one thing that, that uh, I think is often underlooked is that cloud computing brings a tremendous amount of it brings another layer of security and a lot more security tools that we didn't have before, mm-hmm. you know, because getting an intrusion or getting malware or, or, you know, getting any type of ransomware in your in your company can be the it can be a death threat. So, you know, that's the one thing I would add to that. Appreciate that. Cyber is going to be all the rage, is all the rage, and and we're going to see a lot more act uh, activity from bad actors in the mm-hmm. months to come for sure. Greg, uh, your thoughts as we're level setting here on the front end? Yeah, I mean the the promise of ERP was much different than the reality of ERP. I mean, let's face it, ERPs were basically finance systems. QuickBooks, QuickBooks could argue these days that they are an ERP, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Because it all started with finance and automating finance. And in fact, SAP, the biggest of all of them, still has code from the 1950s in their technology. So it it tells you kind of where they started from. And, and in fact, while they wanted to be that best of breed solution, it was quickly realized. And think about the dates we're talking about here, right? The 70s, 80s, and 90s. And that was the heyday of, of ERP. That's when they were really, really mature companies and growing incredibly fast. So, you know, what happened was they built finance and customers asked for more and more of the adjacent technologies and uh, and solutions, and they kind of slapped them in there unscientifically. Uh, you know, for instance, what Eric and his team do at, at, at d- demand-driven technologies, the MRP functionality, it was very rudimentary very often mm. in in an ERP. And Mark, I mean, we haven't really talked about this, but they're the, the um, provenance, Scott, of, <laughs> uh, thank you, of Next World <laughs> is one of the later ERP companies, J.D. Edwards, J.D.E., which started in 1977. So a relative newcomer in that time. And, and they've got a lot of that provenance with Kylie McVaney, their CEO. And, and, um, honestly, look, this is just an observation from doing a little research here. For for people with a history in traditional ERP to make the leap to understand the evolution of technology into cloud and the power of cloud and to um, take both the extensive expertise that they've got and apply that to new technologies is really, really rare. We did that at Blue Ridge and and it was no small struggle to do mm. that. But fortunately, uh, both of these companies have overcome that sort of legacy and and recognize the power that's in the cloud to enable real best of breed and some new, uh, incredible new capabilities that mm. all of the power of the cloud provides for you. I appreciate you sharing there. Uh, one quick comment before we shift over back over to you, Eric. Uh, T-Squared, who holds down the Fort Forest on YouTube, says, Y2K definitely had me shook as a college student because all things computer were subject to be getting shut down. That's how That was kind of like the mindset back then, if y'all remember, uh, back yeah. in 99. It was crazy. Um, okay, so Eric, moving right along. I'll tell you, that was a very healthy uh, level-setting segment on the front as we look kind of uh, uh, did a look back and kind of how things evolved. But let's talk about today, right? Uh, so, Eric, what are some of the main priorities that clients are highlighting today? 
Um, I'm, I'm going to talk to it mostly from a supply chain perspective because that's the space that we deal with. Um, but I think that there's a couple of fundamental issues. Go back to the comment I made about inventory turnover rates haven't been improving. And yet if you're in a company like that and you're sitting on all this inventory, you're sitting on a lot of cash, working capital that you could pivot and use to help whatever strategic intent you're trying to follow for your company. One of our clients in the automotive industry is in, engaged in a project with us to roll out to 100 plants, free up 100 million in working capital because freeing up that cash allows them to accelerate their shift in their role within the automotive industry. So we have to unlock those improvements. That opportunity is absolutely there. We've proven it time and time again. And, and I think that's kind of what they're trying to get to at a high level from a financial perspective. The second problem they're finding is that the workforce, the people who use supply chain planning software is evolving in a declining manner. Meaning back in the day, you go back 20 years, there was a thing called a certified production inventory control manager, CPIM certification mm. from a group called APEX, American Production Inventory Control Society, who had a huge membership, you know, here in the States and around the world and the like. And you would see guys at these conferences with a list of certifications attached to their uh, conference badge, right? They were proud of all the knowledge they had. <laughs> That's a dying breed. I'm telling you, the gray-haired guys like me, they're disappearing. And what's coming up instead into these roles are um, younger people who grew up on laptops and touchscreens and iPhones mm. and modern technology, and they're looking at the software that's in their space that they're trying to use. And the metaphor I use, it's like they're putting them in an Apollo space capsule where you got all these toggle switches and knobs to flip and all this stuff to try to get the right answer. When that happens, they become intimidated because they don't have the training. They don't have all those certifications. Right. And so it's more and more critical that we deploy software that is as intuitive to use as your iPhone is where you can pick it up with your thumb and know how to navigate and know how to find the answers. And I think the evolution there in terms of user interface and technology is so dramatic. Mm. And the other thing they're asking for is give us a platform that we can use in an automated manner. Why is it that we have to have users checking the math of the system they ask, right? Because when they get into that mode, what we end up with is the inability to scale. We can't take a planning approach and roll it out to 100 plants because every plant's got their own secret sauce, their shaman in the tent, if you will, who has all the wisdom to figure it out for them. And so there's no scalability. So they want results. They want an easier to use, easier to deploy platform and functionality. And they want to take a lot of the workload out of it. Let's rely on the system to do the job for us. Mm -hmm. You know. Mark and I, I'm sure you guys do fly all around the world and all this kind of stuff. And the pilots rarely fly in the plane. They're allowing the system to do the job. They get involved on takeoff landing and exceptions. Why is it we can't manage inventory that way? Interesting. Okay. Uh, Mark, I'm coming to you next. Your thoughts when it comes to priorities you're seeing here today or what some of what Eric has shared? Well, I think it's, I think, um, you know, what I would echo is, 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 um, Nothing has really changed for a long, long time. I remember uh, uh, about 20 years ago, I, I walked into a, a, a top 20 uh, manufacturing company in the United States and made a customer satisfaction call, and, and the CIO literally threw me out of his office. 
And uh, his whole principle was, I've spent $400 million on this ERP, $400 million, and I'm nowhere. Mm. And I think, you know, as, as we work, you know, part of our portfolio today at, at NextWorld is we sell inventory management as an edge to ERP. And we, we see these implementations still that people have this vast idea what ERP is, that it can do supply chain and it can do all this stuff. And it never gets fully implemented. It never gets fully implemented. And immediately, you know, the, the technical debt starts to mount. But it really gets people locked in in their business agility. And there's one thing that's parallel to the digital economy. It's business agility. And, you know, that's the one thing that ERP was, you know, I think people misinterpreted mis, uh, what it was. It was to lock down processes. But they were locked down. You weren't changing them, Right. You weren't changing. If you were going to change them, you, you better have a lot of dollars in your wallet to go change it. So, you know, the name of the game with, with, with what we're seeing in SaaS and cloud computing is this total cost of ownership mm. and your ability to move forward quickly. And, you know, I'll echo what, what, what Aaron, um, Eric said again, is that, you know, the, what we have available for a, a labor resource pool is changing dramatically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we're finding out with our solutions, business analysts, can use these solutions and they can implement the solutions. And that's a major, major shift, you know, that, um, you know, where, where people want to go in their career. You know, if you were an SAP programmer, you had to know ABAP. If you were an e-business program, you had to know e-business. If you're using NetSuite, you got to know Java. And, and, and people don't want to be siloed into those technologies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they want to be more business problem solvers. And, and so business analysts can use a lot of these modern SaaS composable architecture to compose the applications, adjust your workflow, and be agile in your business approach. I love that, Mark. Greg, I'm coming to you next, but really quick. Uh, uh, Eric mentioned some of the certifications. Hello, Gene Pledger. You'll see some of those certifications behind his name there. CSC, the very one he quoted, as a matter That's of fact. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's probably recollecting Y2K and where, where Gene was uh, <laughs> back then. But really quick, uh, Greg, get your take. But uh, uh, Eric referenced uh, apex the american production inventory control society founded in cleveland back in the 50s that has morphed into what is now known as ascm they're having their conference this week so just to kind of connect dots for folks greg uh we're talking about current priorities uh for the market you, you heard eric and, and mark's uh, take there your thoughts yeah the world has changed and unfortunately a lot of erps are a slave to the old world right in the old days, Eric, you may recall this, even at IBM, you deployed what was called a kernel of technology, and then you built all the functionality around it, which made the big consulting gigs and the big implementation gigs that Mark was talking about an absolute necessity. And then mm-hmm. companies like Accenture and other big uh, consulting firms built entire practices around it. So for for example, for many, I, I'm not going to single out any more up for the rest of the show because <laughs> people are talking about a particular one. And, and the truth is it's ERP generally. Put any letters together and it's ERP, right? Uh, especially, I mean, especially the old ERP. But they became a slave to that because if those ERPs wanted to sell their technology, they had to leave the ability to make tens or hundreds of millions or billions of dollars on implementation in the design of the product. And as both Mark and Eric have talked about, that ha- that philosophy has gone the way of the one. It's only a few of us old gray-haired folks that that still even recollect that. It's not even the expectation, just the expectation of these new generations. It's the presumption that everything is 
as simple as an app. I, I, I recall, and I'll keep this brief, but I recall <laughs> growing up on Windows, which now seems like it was a, a thousand years ago, or on Apple OS, right, where everything was object-oriented, and and then going to my the first retail company that I went to work for and saw something called a green screen, which is really a black screen with green letters on it that were um, that made me feel like, uh, to Eric's point, I was navigating Apollo 13 in the 1960s. So I, I think we have to recognize that things have changed, economies have changed, mm. and that uh, companies are doing um, what, I'm sorry, it was either Eric or Mark said, they're now just leaving these old ERPs in place in some cases and layering um, the ability to manage the wealth of data that exists in them. And they are further and further partitioning the the deep uh, applications that that add value mm. like demand like like MRP and and demand forecasting and various and sundry other things into this technology but more and more even the old guard are sort of dumping one major ERP provider is basically dumping their old um, on-premise model mm. and they're deploying a new brand that is that is cloud-based right i bet mark knows that one pretty well because i bet he <laughs> against them every single day so even those big those big companies have recognized that their model is is dead or dying and um and that they have to change things to meet the expectations presumptions of today's user well said. And all the space talk. I'm looking forward to the Artemis, uh, their, the next uh, launch window. Uh, what a fascinating program that is. Um, okay. So, Mark, uh, we've referenced this a couple of times. Um, I want, if we can, you can shed some light on the background of Next World and, and what are those key differentiators in ERP software? Well, select, so I think it's a, I think the biggest differentiator is the background. Um, so uh, Next World was was uh, started by Ed McVaney and, and four of the founders, one of them including his daughter, Kylie McVaney. You know, Ed was really one of those pioneers, um, and his company was J.D. Edwards. And, uh, you know, Ed was one of those pioneers in, in the beginnings of, of ERP. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, J.D. Edwards went public, and it was it was acquired by, by PeopleSoft, and Oracle got in a battle, hostile takeover with PeopleSoft, with J.D. Edwards, and then basically, you know, milk the maintenance on it. But, you know, the one thing that was always fascinating about J.D. Edwards was, is, you know, the total cost of ownership of it uh, compared to his competition was amazing. You know, it was, mm -hmm. you know, a couple people could manage the whole ERP implementation. But, you know, Ed, Ed never forgot about, you know, what the drawbacks were. And the drawbacks were is you had to install it, you had to deploy it, you had to hire a consulting firm, and then you had to upgrade it. So, you know, uh, six years ago, they, they started Next World, and we literally spent four years just building a contemporary SaaS platform. And, you know, if, if I would make a, an analogy, you know, what Salesforce.com did for CRM, a business analyst can pick up the tool and deploy an application. That's really what we're doing for ERP. A business analyst can use Next World to deploy applications to run their, their business. And, you know, the, the, the secret sauce in that is, you remember the, you know, back in the early 2000s when Salesforce got started was the circle on no software. Remember that? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Ghostbuster circle. Right. <laughs> um, so the whole idea of an upgrade goes out the window. It, it goes out the window. We're talking about releases. 
And in our value prop to our, our customer base is you'll never be left behind. Mm. You'll never be left behind. And, you know, but we're always going to give you that business agility. We're going to give you that business agility and that total cost of ownership with all the bad business benefits of, of cloud computing also. So, Mark, follow up. Uh, I think you may have touched on this, but uh, the 11th commandment, I believe, literally reads, thou shalt not customize. Yeah. So sp speak to customization when it comes to ERP. Yeah. Well, we're uh, we're breaking that paradigm. Um, and again, we, um, you know, you, you, is it configuration? Is it customization? Bottom line is you can't strain your business, constrain your business agility. And, and the one thing that's incredible about our platform is we believe in extensibility. So we believe in the fact that if there's an application that we don't have in our portfolio, then you can build an application. Mm. You literally can pick up our platform and build an application. And when you're building that application, be assured it's going to meet all your compliance and all your regulatory compliances. And it's going to integrate to everything else that you've touched. So I mean, there's design principles and things like that you need to, you need to pay attention to. but um, you know, we're, we're breaking that paradigm. Uh, we want you to configure the system. We want you to customize it towards your business processes. Use our workflow engine to be agile, making business decisions. You know, because Eric talked about it, you know, there's been a, Eric, there is an exception, though. Planes, planes can land themselves now. <laughs> yeah, they can. I know. And I can but, tell when I'm landing in one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but it... it so there's, you know, the system and building workflow is smart enough to make decisions based on conditional things we program. But it's it's really a, it breaks the paradigm that don't worry about customizations there. You know, um, you know, we we're believe you're going to move on to the next release. And the way that the whole platform is architected is we're never going to be stuck with legacy technology as new tools come out. We're going to be layering things into our platform that our, our customers will never have to know about. It's good to break some stuff, uh, Mark, so I appreciate you sharing that. I want to share a couple of quick comments, and then I'm going to get a quick, quick comment from Greg. And then, Eric, we're going to go into demand-driven technologies here in a second and get some of your key differentiators. Um, Wally says, very interesting to see articles on company strategy where they are deciding to simply sit on inventory as opposed to right-sizing it as demand slows. Companies that continue to overbuy will never get out of the cash crunch. There's got to be a better way. Well said there, Wally. Well said. They um, will get out of the cash crunch because they'll go bankrupt. But <laughs> uh, uh, Renee, I think this is Renee. I think I got your name right. If I got it wrong, let us know. Says, I often find that the frustration with many ERP systems is due to the lack of knowledge and proper use and implementation. Companies will piecemeal or only use certain modules within these systems or use these modules incorrectly. Interesting comment there, Renee. Um, okay, Greg, your quick comment uh, as Mark was talking about some key differentiators, and then we're going to go to uh, Eric next. Greg? Yeah, customization in the classic sense is just like ERP, historical ERP, legacy ERP in the classic sense. It's code behind that you might never know about, um, that only your implementation provider may, not, may, may only know about, and that even your ERP provider may not know about. So it can get wiped out as you get upgraded. To Mark's point, because they're using technology that doesn't use code behind, low code or no code, then users can deploy it and it can be made aware to the provider like NextWorld that that stuff exists and they can defend it, protect it, and support it when you upgrade. Because those are the classic problems, mm -hmm. right? It, your, your technology becomes unsupportable and then you become stuck with those 
uh, practices and processes and, and screens and, and technologies that you don't understand like Rainey is talking about. Uh, okay. A good, lot of good stuff there. Um, Eric, I, I want to give you the option here. You're going to be, uh, we'll give you the quarterback option to call an audible. <laughs> Feel free to comment on what Mark and Greg have been stating there. And then I want to get into, uh, some of your key differentiators when it comes to supply chain software. So first comment on what you heard Greg and Mark speak to there. Yeah, I think, I think the next world story is phenomenal. Uh, since we learned about them a couple of years ago, and I'll talk a little bit about our partnership with them in a, in a few minutes, but you know, it's like getting the band back together, but you come in, if you only knew then what you knew now, right? You've got all this learning that Mark alluded to here in his comments about what were the limitations, what were the things we could have done better? And I think that the approach that they've demonstrated, we've had countless conversations over the past couple of years as we've started to fuse our partnership together just revealed a, a very, very different culture than I've seen in other software companies, right? And the whole premise of this extensibility is, I think, very appropriate and, and effective in the way that they're approaching it so that you get, you don't paint yourself into a corner. I saw this happen with so many SAP clients where they would write so much ABAP code to customize because they had to have this and that and the other thing. And now all of a sudden they're stranded on a given release because to move forward, they have to now go back and refactor that code to meet the new standards in the new release. And if we have the ability to make those enhancements or customizations or extensions, as you want to call them, without being painted into a corner, we are in a far different position than we've been historically. Mm. I, one large national tire manufacturer we watched customize their sales and distribution model in SAP to an enormous constant, uh, con um, level because they had so many dis different discount programs that they offered into the market. Mm -hmm. And you got to believe at some point you've passed the knee of the curve there where, you know, the first, after the first three, maybe you had enough and you could have cut these off, but they just kept going and going and going and mm. they're creating their own problems. And I think that there's also on the client side, a, a need to be more pragmatic and judicious and use those, uh, capabilities in a, in a good way so that you don't, overcomplicate things and go back to one of the comments earlier that people are don't get all the software implemented, right? Well, that's because there's a lot of software to implement and that's there's a lot of features and decisions people have to make when you do that implementation. So the more you can grease those skids, the more you can smooth the pathway to, uh, to getting business results, the better off you're going to be, right? Good stuff there. Uh, we need to bolt on another hour here between uh, the three of y'all talking technology and business, global business and supply chain. But Eric, in particular, let's let's focus in now on the background of demand-driven technologies and your key differentiators when it comes to supply chain software. Um, when we started the company, there was one competitive strategy that we focused on. If ERP is long, labor-intensive, and the needle isn't going to move, then we have to be the everything that, that's the opposite of that. Meaning you get a result and you're able to sustain it. And it doesn't take, you know, the King's army and ransom to get there, right? That you can get there in a few months. And that's what we focus on. So I think at our core, we are driven by getting clients to the right results. We do that through offering them simulations so we can actually replay, you know, quarterback, Monday morning quarterback and say, had you used these techniques, Here's where you would have been in terms of inventory levels, service levels, and things like that. And that's working. It creates 
puts us on the same side of the table with our clients. And I think they really value the approach we take to and our concern about their, their needs and priorities. Um, I think the other key piece that's a differentiator is that we have made the foundational decision that we are going to build agility as the first premise, not predictability, hmm. meaning that our solutions are designed to an, allow you to pace your inventory supply, your production schedules to the real demand, not the forecast, but the actual demand in the market. It's the most accurate signal you're going to get. And there's different ways of getting there. Everyone in the past thought you had to have a forecast because that's the way MRP worked. And we said, you know, there's too much air out there. Mm. Let's start with a cleaner demand signal and we'll get into a much, much better place. Once you make that shift in thinking, it opens up a lot of doors because now look at everybody's talking about agility. Well, to be able to pace to the actual demand coming in, you've got to build that agility into your business. So our platform helps clients put that foundation in place, right? Mm. And get better results and do it in a much more manageable way. Okay, so uh, we're going to get into the partnership next, but Greg, that demand signal um, and being able to really adjust your um, your planning and your oper- and operationalizing that, speak mm-hmm. to that really quick for a second, Greg. Well, you know, I call it postcasting, right? What Eric is, is referring to is what they tried to avoid is looking at history and expecting that to be an indicator of the future. Now, let me say that again slowly for the people in the back. <laughs> looking at history and expecting that to be the indicator of the future. Think about 2020 and the great toilet paper shortage. Could anyone have looked at history and in any way ever predicted that that could happen? No, of Mm. course not, right? So what we have to understand is, what are those indicators of demand now? And that's what Eric is talking about. And how do we leverage those to have a more accurate prediction? And I, I really love the idea of focusing on the agility because for too long in, in supply chain planning in particular, we have focused on the forecast and cost. Mm. And we've done that at the expense of enabling a solution with the agility, the responsiveness, the recovery and resiliency that is required in a supply chain always, has always been, but is so clear and apparent to everyone on the planet today. So that perspective is a huge differentiator. I love it. Hey, if it's clear to everybody on the planet, uh, we should be doing a lot more of that. Uh, Eric, I want to get into this partnership, this this pretty cool partnership between Next World and Demand Driven Technologies. Speak to that and speak about how their approach, Eric, can help uh, our, some of our listeners, companies, and customers. So, um, yeah, we're really proud of the relationship we've got. I've spent quite a bit of time with Mark over the past several months. Um, Next World reached out to us about a year and a half ago as they were starting to get ready to launch into the market and they were intrigued with the demand driven methods that we support. And they made a decision to interface into our solution to address those functionalities instead of building their own platform, right? And so we are uh, engaged with a number of clients right now as and very, very cool opportunities that we're working on together. Mark didn't mention, but they have a platform called NextBot, which is an application development environment. Think of that. And it's a low-code, no-code kind of paradigm. And so we would expect that as we get the engine running here and and start to really do a number of deals together, that we will essentially migrate our code into their NextBot environment, thus fusing the UI relationships together and things like that as we go forward. Uh, and that spans not only inventory planning, but production scheduling, SNOP, and things like that. So we've really had a great working relationship together. Um, 
I think Mark and I have a shared vision about where uh, this partnership can go and very excited about the opportunities going forward. Love it. Well, Mark, I'm going to get your take on the partnership, but but first, uh, those landings back on the plane, your, your that comment hasn't escaped me yet. <laughs> when you bounce off the runway a couple of times, is that the bots doing it, uh, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, it, I don't know, uh, but tell us about, uh, you give us your take on the partnership, Mark. Well, I think, um, you know, I, I, uh, I hope I haven't used this example too many times, but I'm going to draw upon it one more time because I'm, you know, we've all been in this business for so long and there's so much you learn from history, you know, about what things work and don't work. And we were talking about Y2K earlier and I want to, I want to bring up a company name and maybe I shouldn't do this, but I think for the historical railroads is important. You remember, remember Siebel Systems? Mm, yeah. And Tom Siebel well, yeah. invented CRM. And just as long as had people had great big pocketbooks, man, they were implemented like crazy. Well, after Y2K and 9-11, nobody had any more money. And, you know, um, and then here comes Salesforce, right? And then Salesforce become the 900-pound gorilla overnight. And, you know, part of Salesforce's strategy, as I explained before, was, is, you know, very similar to what we're doing for ERP. And I think you're going to see the same trajectory in our dominance of the marketplace. I think we had that big a profound effect, um, you know, bringing a no-code uh, ERP platform to the market. But, you know, if you followed Salesforce over the years, I think they're the most successful software company in the history of the world. I mean, you know, they, they're very predictive in how they grow. But you remember several years ago, they said, hey, we're going to grow our, our, our applications business, our ecosystem. You know, it'll be just as big as our, our, you know, our CRM portfolio, and they have. So people build on the Salesforce platform. I mean, you, know, you go, you can go buy an app on the Salesforce platform. You, you know, it's like you buy an iOS app on the App Store. So that's the way we're approaching the ecosystem and the market. Is you know, we're going to have ISV relationships. We're going to integrate, um, but you know, what, what Eric and I are talking about is really you know developing some best-in-class apps on our platform. So, and again, it's it's the way that our architecture is composed is you can you can take as, as big a bite as you want. Take a little bite now, you can take a bigger bite later. We're totally fine with that. We want to grow with our customers. So that's the, you know, um, you know, Eric is right. We see we see this market um exactly the same. More specifically on going to market, uh, we're both after product-centric companies. And what's unique about us is we see the product centricity and also service companies relying on product. In the digital economy, um, you know, the reason this is so important is, you know, traditionally ERPs looked at inventory within the four walls. Okay. Well, has Amazon broken that paradigm? Hmm. You think they think about inventory within their four walls? No, it's about the long mile. It's about where is my product going? And, you know, we've already got all those great capabilities with the cloud inventory platform and NextWorld working together right now is when that product leaves the four walls, we're going to help you track and manage that product. And, you know, we, and if you think about a traditional field service application, where are my parts to service whatever I'm going to work on? And that's what, you know, Eric and I are talking about, you know, the evolution of our working relationship. Yes, it is about MRP. It's about manufacturing. But inventory is in the wild. Mm-hmm. It's you know inventory is absolutely in the wild, and 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 you know seeing that that inventory is part of your supply chain and stealing that narrative back from ERP. ERP stole the narrative supply chain, and 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 you know we we see it as a holistic approach, and and the way we see 
manufacturing materials, warehousing, and, and field inventory, all in this, this cloud of inventory. Uh, Eric and I are completely aligned, and, and uh, you know all the folks on this call today, I mean, you're, you're going to watch uh, the trajectory of our company really go through the ceiling here. That's exciting. Uh, so congrats on this partnership. It sounds like you're just about to hit the, um, the fifth or sixth gear. So looking forward yep. to seeing the results and outcomes. Greg, I'm going to get your comment here, but, but first I'm going to share a couple here. One from Chad. Uh, Chad, great to see you. Uh, Chad joined us uh, on a live stream a couple months back. Hope, hope this finds you well. And by the way, Chad is in Denver as well, uh, Mark. Uh, he says, Siebel had a great vision, but the system failed to deliver because it was very cumbersome. Yep. Salesforce has definitely done well to build the uh, ecosystem. Yep. Another good example is yep. Atlassian Jira. Jira, maybe. I don't know. Um, Greg from Milwaukee. Greg, hope this finds you well. Says, a forecast of the future is a guess and is incorrect after published. Too many variables, all based on prediction, especially when you have to look out six months or longer to order supplies. Great comment there, Greg. Now to our Greg, uh, Greg White, before we uh, make sure folks know how to connect the dots, connect with Mark and Eric, and we got some great resources from the uh, from Eric's team to share momentarily. Your final thought maybe on the partnership and some of the things that uh, Eric and Mark have shared. Yeah, I love the perspective of the Salesforce ecosystem and and using that in supply chain and, and for ERP and finance and other solutions because um, it works. And and, you know, the fact that there are companies that have built their platform, cloud native is what we called it way back in 2011. It was built for the cloud, not adapted from on-prem. Mm. Um, and and it takes full advantage of the processing power, the new technologies that are available to you, the ease of integration and, and these no-code and other types of solutions that allow you to adapt your solution Right to the edge of customization, I can already see in the comments that we're having this discussion around customization <laughs> or configuration. The, that's not even the point, what word you use. You need to rethink the term customization because mm. the baggage that we all carry is all of that code behind the scenes that got lost or got wiped out or, you know, or, or kept us from getting upgraded. That's not the case anymore and it doesn't need to be. And, and, we need to think about this more as the digital natives who are naive to those old ways yep. right. do and just presume that this is the way that things always should have been built. Um, and now we have the technology that enables that. And it's a huge leap forward and it will disrupt the industry. And mm -hmm. it is an industry ripe for disruption. There's only one, in my opinion, current ERP player that is sufficiently equipped to compete with what Next World and Demand Driven are doing. And um, and that is a great spot to be in mm. for both us as users, they as as service and technology providers. It's a great spot to be in, and it will dramatically advance how technology is used and how it's deployed, in particularly in supply chain, but but also all of the other areas around business operations. Well said, good stuff there. Um, all right. So I want to get into is we're coming down the final stretch here, right? And Eric, I'm actually going to start with you. We're going to share some of those resources now, and then we'll get with Mark and, and how folks can learn more there about Next World. So I'll start with Eric. Uh, so Eric, we've got some resources to bear. Yeah. I appreciate what you and the team. Uh, first up, we've got a white paper focused on simulating demand-driven material requirements planning, aka right. DDMRP, those buffers. So Eric, uh, we're going to drop a link in the comment. Why should folks check out that resource? 
I think it's a, a great example. We started doing this years and years ago, and we uh, the white paper was actually written at the back of an Apex conference where we had done this simulation where people came into our booth, they gave us random demand patterns, 10 uh, days of demand. We collected them all and we showed them how we could buffer without having any idea what numbers they were giving us and successfully have high service levels and low inventory levels in that. And it was kind of an amazing little gambit to do, but it really helped people get the idea that, hey, maybe there is a different way of planning your materials. And so that uh, white paper is kind of an illustration of uh, what we learned that day. And uh, I think it helps kind of turn the light bulb on for a lot of people when they read it. It's continues to be our most widely downloaded white paper. Uh, hey, some of the best things come out uh, on the back of a bar napkin, right, Eric? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's kind of all in the same philosophy. We do the same thing then when we meet with clients because we'll get their data and then we'll show them what actually would happen. So it's a good kind of a teaser around uh, what simulating a DDMRP environment would do for you. Love that. Uh, and then the second resource that y'all brought, uh, I was just watching this morning on the History Channel, uh, um, a documentary on the Cola Wars, and it's really yeah. fascinating, especially the last 50 or 60 years. Um, you know, the, the triumphant uh, market entry that Diet Coke made is so fascinating. But anyway, speaking of, of Coke, folks should check out a really neat case study on yep. Coca-Cola Beverages Africa and its continuous improvement initiatives, especially those involving its work with DDMRP. And we've got the link to that as well. Um, Eric, one final question for you is how can folks connect with you and your team? Best way to do it is to reach out to us uh, either through LinkedIn or at info at demanddriventech.com uh, or to our website. Much, many, many ways to uh, get in touch with us. And we'd love to talk to you. Wonderful. Folks, y'all check out those links. Uh, thanks so much for, for all you've shared here today, Eric. I want to switch over to Mark. Mark, really have enjoyed your perspective. I look forward to, uh, as y'all two work more together, you're going to have to write a book on your adventures and where this partnership <laughs> goes. Uh, Mark, how do our listeners learn more about Next World and, as Eric mentioned, that NextBot platform, what it can do for their business? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, uh, our uh, our name itself, um, you know, we, we just recently adopted a, a slogan going to market, which is staying ahead of what's next. So if if, if you feel like you're, 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 uh, you're, you're ERP locked, you feel like you don't have business agility and you want to get on a platform, it's always going to keep you ahead of what's next. That's our value proposition, www.nextworld.net or find us on LinkedIn at NextWorld. So I uh, look forward to, uh, to following up and having any conversations. We've, uh, you know, we've got a, a wealth of experience at this company with years of experience of of helping people solve business problems and look forward to it. Look forward to follow up and, and thank you guys for your time today. You bet. We've got uh, the production team dropped the link there. Uh, you're one click away, nextworld.net. So y'all check that out and find the company, as Mark mentioned, on LinkedIn. So big thanks uh, once again, uh, Eric Bush, CEO of Demand Driven Technologies and Mark Good, president of Nextworld. Thank you both, gentlemen. And we look forward to having you back again real soon. Thanks so much, thanks, guys. Andrew. All right, Greg. Uh, it's too much to think about. My 17 pages of notes. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of studying to do tonight on this conversation, this partnership, uh, breaking stuff, right? Changing how business is done. But uh, if, if folks help help distill this down, yep. if you would, especially the folks that may not be, you know, that don't have your experience or Eric's experience or Mark's experience as technologists, even though these days that's what supply chain, uh, supply chain professionals are in many ways. Speak to what folks should really pay attention over the last uh, hour or so. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I always think of a quote you use all the time, which is what got you here ain't going to get you through it. Mm. You don't say ain't, but I like to say ain't. So, <laughs> um, and, and that is, you know, the old model of ERP. And I, I keep thinking what an appropriate name is next world, right? Um, because I think we have to understand how rare it is to do what Eric and Mark and, and the teams at their respective companies are doing in having an incredible amount of knowledge about the history um, and the from whence we come of, mm. of their respective products. But being able to put that in a new future-focused perspective that allows them to use the best parts of their knowledge and their expertise and to uh, eschew the old ways of thinking to create a new way of leveraging that knowledge into uh, technology for another age, this next world. And um, I, I just think that's so, so exceptional. And whenever you find a company like that, you want to latch on to them because they are going to make big changes. And that is, um, it's harder to accomplish than mm. you can imagine. We were very conscious of it at my companies in the past because we had a bunch of, let's say, <laughs> experienced practitioners. <laughs> <laughs> in the company, but they were able to they were able to use the best of of both worlds, and I mm. I think that really bodes well for the success of their customers and their companies going forward. Love that, Greg. Thank you for sharing, folks. Uh, we've also dropped the uh, resources that the demand driven technologist team has brought. Uh, that white paper we talked about with the MRP buffers and what I thought was a really interesting case study again on Coca Cola Beverages Africa. So y'all check that out. Who can't relate? to a Coca-Cola story, right? Uh, especially when it comes from a supply chain perspective. I love that. Um, folks, make sure you connect uh, with Eric and Mark and Greg. Uh, and Greg, your supply chain commentaries hit every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, where you tackle subjects like this and, and a lot more. Make sure you follow or connect with Greg and participate in those conversations. Okay, folks, we've covered a lot of ground. We couldn't hit everybody's comment and questions here today. Be sure to, hey, you know who I bet would love to take those questions and comments and maybe even maps up out on the back of a bar tab, Eric Bush and Mark Good. Yeah. We shall see as they break stuff and drive the industry forward with an exciting new partnership. Um, thank you all all for joining us here today. Big thanks to our production team. Uh, thanks to all the folks in the comments. Uh, thanks to, to Nicole and all of that great facilitation. Folks, whatever you do, it's about deeds, not words, right? Change is tough, as Greg and, and everyone has been speaking to. But that's the only way we move forward, right? Uh, taking that action. So on behalf of our entire team here, Scott Luton signing off for now, challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.